This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So, you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall, rock-climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So, whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show where I welcome for the third time on the show, Wendy Dumbroff. And Wendy is a licensed professional counselor in a private practice where she specializes in individual family couples in sex therapy. And I love talking with Wendy. Like I said, this is her third time on the show. And today we talk about the vulnerability cycle. And a lot of this is going to be found in any relationship, not just romantic relationships. And that is what happens when someone gets triggered and then the cycle that often occurs after that. And we've talked about similar things on the show um, under different names, negativity cycle, um, anxious avoidant cycle. They're not exactly the same thing, but uh, this is a another approach that I think you guys will find very valuable because we've all been there, <laughs> hopefully not on a daily basis, but fairly often that we're in an interaction, maybe with our partner, where we are triggered or maybe they're triggered. And then often it just doesn't go like smooth sailing. Okay, we're two adults here that are navigating this perfectly. Often it can go a bit negatively, hopefully not too far off the rails, but I can certainly speak for myself that sometimes it goes well in my history and sometimes I would like to do much better. And uh, Wendy gives us some great tools for recognizing this cycle and how to navigate it better. As always, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Hi, Wendy. Thanks so much for joining me back on the show. Hi, Chase. Thanks so much for having me. Always, always appreciate being here. Yeah, you are now a member of the Trifecta Club, your third time on. <laughs> so thank you. That's that's a, just a small group of people. And Today, I'm really excited to talk to you about something that you shared with me that you generally use with a lot of your couples in therapy practice, and that is the vulnerability cycle. So let's start with having you explain to our listeners what that is. Okay, yes, absolutely. Firstly, let me give credit where credit is due. This this is a cycle that was developed by... Uh, Michelle Shankman and Mona Fishbane over two decades ago. Um, and uh, uh, I, I would say by by therapists who've come before me uh, much wiser than than I, right? And um and we as their uh 
the subsequent, you know, generations of therapists um, have the benefit of using something that they created, which is an extremely wonderful tool to use when I work with couples. And also to extend that, really any two people who are interacting, whether it's a parent and child, um, friends, uh, some relative that you have, any two people have a dynamic between them. So the vulnerability cycle, I'll explain a little more detail. Um, it, it interactionalizes what happens between people. And so what do I mean by interactionalize? One person, well, let me, I'll break it down skeletally. It's easier. I know this is just audio. I, there's a diagram that actually explains it very well, but one person gets triggered. They have some vulnerability, whether, say, their partner is yelling loud and it brings up anxiety for them, right? So they are triggered. When they are triggered and they feel that anxiety, what do they do? There's a behavior, a survival strategy, the way they cope with feeling that vulnerability that triggers them. So perhaps someone may retreat, right? They may shut down. They may be unavailable. When they retreat and shut down, their survival strategy, the way they cope, creates the other person, causes the other person's, their partner's vulnerability to be triggered. So for example, that partner may be triggered by feeling abandoned, feeling like their partner isn't there for them. And what will they, and then what do they do? In response to that, perhaps they pursue, angrily pursue, and they want to make sure that person is there for them because they are triggered by the vulnerability, feeling abandonment or feeling unattended to or feeling not good enough. You're not there for me, right? And so they pursue. And the more they pursue an angry pursuit the person on the other side, their anxiety amps up. And the more their anxiety amps up, the more they retreat. And the more they retreat, the more the, the other person feels threatened of the loss and pursues. So that is how we interactionalize what happens between people. And it's really startling that with every couple I work with, you can find this pattern in how they interact with each other. Absolutely. And a lot to dig into here, I think might be on everyone's minds that's identifying with this cycle. And, and I want to talk about maybe different triggers and different examples of the anxiousness and the, the abandonment feelings. But how would someone in this example break this cycle? How would you guide clients through that? Yeah, really great question. So, you know, first of all, explaining this cycle to people um, is key. I literally draw it out for them and I show them, look, you see, this is, this is what's happening between you. And of course, the example I gave was just hypothetical. That is an example I've seen, but it could be so many different things. Um, just seeing it and becoming aware of it 
at, and recognizing, oh, so many times couples will say, oh my God, that's exactly what happens. That's right. That's exactly what happens between us. And I offer them that couples generally have one fight. The, the content varies on the top. Maybe it's uh, something about your the way your in-laws did something and you get in a back and forth about that. Or it's you didn't pick up my dry cleaning and you get in a back and forth about that. Mm-hmm. But underneath, it's this process. The content will vary on the top, but the process will change, will not change. That's static. And so when people can see what's happening between them, that's the first step, right? Because when you have the awareness of, oh, we are in our cycle, then you have choice. You don't have to go right into it. You You may not know what to do at first, but do something different, even if that means, okay, look, we're going to agree to not talk about this right now. We'll bring it to therapy next week, right? Um, We're not going to get into it. We're not going to do what we usually do. We're going to put it on a shelf. So that's, that's the first step is slowing down what happens between people so they can take a breath and begin to understand the whys of, of what triggers them and the whys of what they do when they are triggered and to help them recognize that whatever created that, and we do deep family of origin explorations, right? Because our current life is always informed by our history, whether that's our childhood history, and oftentimes it is, but also there are significant events that happen to people as adults that can also inform what triggers them and how they cope with it, right? So we do a deep exploration of the family of origin and and the person's, um, their whole family and relational life to understand and make sense of the things that trigger them and what they do. Because my belief is that most people have good reasons for doing the things they do. It doesn't mean it's useful in their adult life. For example, and I'm being very heterosexist here, but the in, in a heterosexual couple and a man has an affair, right? Because he's not feeling um, attended to or loved enough or paid enough attention to, and he ends up having an affair because of course affairs are, you know, all like uh, fun and games because there's no real life included in them. It's not, none of the real aspects of life. Nobody has to pay the bills, empty the dishwasher or deal with children in affairs. Right. So it may not, it's certainly not a useful way to cope to find a place to be valued But when you do a family of origin exploration and you find that this person perhaps never felt valued as a child, and then, of course, as the daily life of marriage goes goes on, they feel perhaps neglected by their partner. A couple of kids come along, um, they're they're not available for them, they're uh, the daily grind of life and and not necessarily doing anything to uh, bolster their relationship. Right. So what does he do? He shuts down from the wife and he shuts down so far. He goes right out of the relationship and finds a place where those needs perhaps are met. Um, And so it can make sense 
that someone who has not felt valued or not felt cared for is yearning to feel cared for, right? It doesn't mean it's a useful choice or a good choice, obviously, because it creates a whole other host of of issues. But we can make sense of it. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And obviously, it's important to dig into family history and understanding where these deeper triggers come from, like the example that you gave. And there's so many. For the sake of the people listening now, I think it's very valuable just to understand the general outline of the vulnerability cycle as you've given us. So when someone feels triggered, you mentioned a response could be just the simple awareness and recognition of, hey, I'm feeling triggered. You don't necessarily have to understand exactly why at that moment in the family history. That's like a lifelong process and therapy and everything. But just that recognition is valuable. What is some of the dialogue that could come about in that instance? Because to me, it could come from both sides, you know, either or or both. The person being triggered can say, to the partner, hey, I feel triggered. And then there's a dialogue there. Or the partner who did the triggering can say, hey, looks like you're being triggered. How can that conversation go? And then where would it go from there? Maybe it it just simply deal with, with that instance and say, let's table this or let's talk to a therapist. How does it work from that standpoint? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. We touch on this concept in our episodes frequently. We're better able to show up as our best selves in relationships when our bodies and minds are in a state of harmony. PMS and perimenopause throw a wrench in that whole state of harmony thing. Many women in our community have seen their relationships and their own mental health suffer when PMS and perimenopause symptoms set in. Our sponsor, Happy Mammoth, saw that there was no effective nature-inspired solutions to these issues, so they made one, Estro Control. Relationship Advice listeners can now get 15% off your first order on happymammoth.com with our promo code IDO at checkout. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients help support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when estrogen isn't processed well in our liver, women may start having PMS symptoms, like spots on the skin, cravings, and feeling low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves throughout the whole month. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal. It's really great for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can become especially rough. PMS has been a constant challenge throughout my life, from feeling down to sleeplessness to just not feeling comfortable in my own skin. PMS has put me through the ringer time and time again, and I know it's not just me. I've seen my relationship suffer in those times when PMS takes over. Estro Control works to relieve many of those consuming PMS symptoms, helping us regain control. 
For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first month at happymammoth.com with the promo code I do at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the promo code I do for 15% off your first order. Very good question. There's a type of couples therapy called EFT, Emotionally Focused Therapy. And they address very specifically how partners in that therapy, how partners talk about when they feel triggered. And it is, now let me put on the caveat, in the moment that we're triggered, right? I always say it's kind of like, On Sunday night, we can say, I'm starting a diet in the morning and I'm really up for it. And there's no way I'm going to eat anything bad. And we mean it. Oh my goodness, do we mean it? (laughs) And when Monday morning comes and uh, we're looking at a hard boiled egg and a a few berries or something where it's harder to stay in it. And when we are in the midst of being triggered, that's the hardest time in the world to actually do something different, right? And so it may not be accessible in the moment. Whether or not it is or isn't, right? To do something different and then when you can have the conversation because it doesn't have to be at the height of being triggered. Think of when something just happened, you feel so angry. The last thing maybe you have an ability to do in that moment is say, Oh, you know what, honey? I'm I'm actually feeling a little triggered right now and um and here's what's going on for me. When you're not there for me or you didn't complete that task that I asked you to do, I realized that I am feeling really uncared for and unworthy and not good enough, which is often the way I felt in my home growing up, right? You may not be able to do that then. Because there's just, we are human beings and we're filled with emotion. We can't help what we feel, but we can help what we do with it. So in those moments, being able to say, look, I don't want to, I'm really trying hard not to do what I usually do. And I want to stay present for you, uh, but it's really hard for me right now. So give me some time, right? Um, because, Because it is hard. And a different conversation can also be had, whether it's in the moment, whether that's accessible or not, or whether it's after the fact. You know, it could be 15 minutes later, an hour later. I just want to talk about what just happened. When I heard that you had not done those errands for me that I told you were so important yesterday, I really, I felt like I didn't matter to you. And that's really hard for me. And for the partner to be able to hear that, to hear that and validate it and say, oh, my goodness, I was so busy this morning because one kid forgot his lunch and the other kid, you know, couldn't find their homework. It totally went out of my mind. And I apologize. And I hear that when I forgot, you felt like you didn't matter. And so you're you're validating. It, it was not my intention to make you feel that way. But of course, I hear that you feel that way. And then EFT therapy says, 
ask, have the person then, the person who's been triggered, ask for what they need. You know, what would be helpful to me right now is if you could just give me a hug and reassure me, or if you could just sit with me and understand, or maybe just hearing it and being validated was enough to know that I matter, right? Uh, was enough to know, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. Um, that's a very different conversation than uh, than what would normally happen. One shutting down, one pursuing angrily, or being one being defensive. The person, the more defensive they get, the more the person feels unheard, like they didn't feel cared for. The more they shut down, the more, you know, so you can see what it could be and how it can go differently. Now, I'll add a caveat to that. Very often, where perhaps there's been a lot of conflict for many years, someone will say to me, one partner will say, I don't want to take care of them. I don't want to be their mother. I don't want to have to make it better for them. They should know better by now. Or I'm tired of X, Y, Z that's gone on. So there's that debate between sometimes a partner doesn't want to be the one who has to make it better for the other. And a person really is left to kind of work with it within themselves and to recognize, okay, I noticed that I'm triggered, which is the first part. You have to be aware that you're being triggered. Awareness is key because when you have the awareness, then you can change the steps that you do in the dance that's been happening between you and your partner. And you may have to turn in and say, okay, this feels like when my mother was not available to me and my wife is not available to me right now. This feels like that. And it's not. She's just busy with the children. It's I'm not being abandoned. I'm not being unattended to. And then to be able to talk about it with your partner, my hope is that when my hope is always that when a partner hears someone's vulnerability, that they do um, develop empathy for that, that they are able to step out of it enough and develop empathy for that and be willing to connect to and hold their partner's pain. Um, and help them through it. But it it doesn't always happen, unfortunately. I was just going to ask, in the first example you gave, both people had an awareness of what was going on. And ultimately, that's beautiful and in the easiest way to navigate conflict. And then the second example was valuable because, yeah, I think often it's not going to be as uh, simple as both people super aware, but hopefully we're working towards that. So what would happen in, in an example where, I guess the example you just gave was that one partner's partner was triggered, the triggered partner lacked awareness, and the other partner just kind of self-soothed and, and talked themselves through it. What if it's the other way around, that uh, the other partner is doing the triggering? Does that make sense? I think I hear what you're saying. I, I just want to clarify. It doesn't mean that both don't have awareness. One may and one may not. That I agree. It's something that one needs to grow during therapy. And when people come in, you know, week to week, and and it's not that I want to talk about the fight of the week, but I'm always very curious about 
How did it go between you? Uh, because, because if somebody does something different than they usually did, that's really important, right? Whether it's one or both partners. Oh, so, so Joe, when your wife started to yell at you, instead of turning around and going into your study and disappearing for the next six hours, you actually stayed present and listened to her. Yeah, I did. And so, Lisa, what was that like when Joe stayed present and he didn't walk away? Well, that actually made me feel a little bit calmer because um, I didn't. I felt like, you know, he he was able to like, you know, be there and at least hear why I was upset, right? And and then to have them share that, and it's really important to look at. What happens? This isn't like an auto process. Like I can say this and sort of give the aerial view, but it's a step-by-step going through things, helping to teach skills to each other. Sometimes it's just noticing the couple together will notice, oh yeah, we should do something different here. Oh yeah, I'm trying to stay present here. Um, And the understanding of the family of origin wounds are just sort of there because they know. Most couples know each other's, I find anyway, most couples know each other's, not always, but wounds from their family of origin. I like to do that exploration with the couple together so that because sometimes they hear, oh, I didn't know that. I knew, I knew that your dad like was traveling a lot, but I didn't know that he was um, abusive sometimes when he was home. I didn't, oh, I didn't know you saw your, your dad be abusive, physically abusive to your mom. I never knew that. Right. And, and those are the things that can create empathy, but I don't, I don't think I'm asking, answering your question. Um, what I started to say was it's it's not always that one person may have awareness, but say, I just don't want to have to do that. He's been doing this for so long, like he's been just wallowing and wallowing for so long. I don't want to have to be the one to 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 deal with his his pain. Right. I want him. Or, you know, they may be actually very aware, but just say, I need him to do something for himself. And that in and of itself may be part of the trigger for the other partner needing to, because maybe they were parentified as a child and they always had to take care of everyone in their family. And so when their partner is not, you know, owning their share of of something they need to do, they then feel like uh, I'm, I'm, I don't want to have to do this for this person, right? I'm because that in and of itself is their trigger. Does that make sense? And please ask me some questions if I'm not clarifying. Well, what? No, I didn't ask the question super clearly, and you did oh, no, address no. Uh, the general idea. So that's very valuable, and I I like to highlight the idea of working through the family of origin individually, but as a couple together and how valuable it seems like that could be because I've done a lot of work with my therapist and I'm not currently in a long-term relationship, but that 
feels like it would be so valuable to have that safe place to be walked through an understanding of our family of origin history, but then to have our partner there to create that empathy, both from our own history and then understanding our partners. Yeah. And I do tailor that because there there are times when somebody is just more comfortable discussing it on their own. And then, you know, there's always reasons for that as well, right? It's all grist for the mill, as the the phrase goes. What What is hard about doing that with your partner? And I have seen beautiful moments where uh, partners like just brought to tears f- f- with empathy for what someone they may be in so much conflict with, but yet they love them and they, and it, it, it actually shows the strength of the bond and just having a moment like that where, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe you went through that. I, I wish I could take that out of your life, right? With certain things that they hear. What would you tell someone listening who they're recognizing this cycle in the relationship and they want to bring it to their partner and say, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, but the partner is not super receptive to it. Let's say it's it's a partner who's easily triggered and these fights are continuing to happen. What kind of dialogue can we have with them? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Well, you know, ultimately we can't make anyone do anything. Um, often there's a very sad story where people get to a point where where the person who's tried over the years, please, let's go to therapy, let's go to therapy. And the other partner said, no, no, no. And then finally the partner says, that's it, I'm done. And the person says, no, 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 I'll do anything. I'll go to therapy. Um, you know, and sometimes by then it's a little too late. Um because we can't make the bottom line is nobody can make anybody do anything that's a that's a hard fact however i think if it's phrased in a way that takes blame away from either one one of the wonderful things about the vulnerability cycle is that it externalizes what happens between them and it's not about one being bad or the other being bad or wrong this is what happens between you. The diagram is a circle. It is circular because it is co-created. Any dynamic between any two people is co-created. Because you could be with one person and everything is fine and you're with another person and you're fighting all the time, whether it's friends or or intimate partners, right? It's co-created. And It is the dance that people do together. And this is about changing the steps of the dance. Like, okay, we're stepping on each other's toes here. We need to find a different way to to move in relation to each other. And so I think if one partner says, look, what's happening between us is not useful. We're both upset all the time. You're going off by yourself. I'm yelling and screaming. Neither of us are feeling happy. I wonder if we could find a different way to do this together so that it is not from a blaming place. You always do this and therefore we need to go to therapy, right? Where each person owns that what happens between us, we do together. It's co-created. 
how can we do this differently? Because I don't think it's working for either of us, right? That I think is probably the the gentlest way to put something where the problem is externalized. As this thing happens between us, how can we work together to make it different? I love that. And like a lot of things in relationships, when talking about it, it's talking about it as from a team perspective. Like you said, not blaming, using I statements and saying like, hey, there's nothing more that I want to do than to connect with you. And it seems like we're in this vulnerability cycle. I listened to this podcast on it and I just really want to connect. So let's try to figure this out. You know, yeah. Every couple has a cycle, by the way. However, the people that end up, you know, in my office or, you know, couples' offices uh, all around the, the globe, something is out of step in that, in that cycle. Um, even if uh, everybody has a cycle of how things go, I, uh, somebody could say, you know, uh, yeah, when I'm really upset, I, I really expressed it to my partner. And they heard it and they validated me. And when they did that, I felt better. And I told them and then they felt good. That's a very useful cycle, right? That works well. I I always say to couples that couples therapy is not about never having another disagreement um, or, you know, being upset with, not about never being upset with each other. It's about how it goes between you when it happens. Because I think it's sort of fairy tale to think that two adults living together day to day are never going to have a disagreement. I've been married almost, uh, I've just had my 32nd anniversary. So um, it's, I will tell you, you know, some years are better than, have been better than others, but I, I think that of course I have disagreements with my husband, but it's how it goes between you when they occur. Exactly. And you've given our listeners some great ways to navigate those disagreements better. And and that's really what we're trying to do here. What I'm trying to do is get this information, give it to our listeners. And I'm very thankful for people like yourself who are professionals in the field, who have been in a 32-year marriage. And yeah, it's helpful to hear that reality that no relationship is perfect. And that's also something to really recognize, especially nowadays. Media is always kind of painted the fairy tale, but social media is adding to it with all the, the perfect relationships we see. And I love the idea that a relationship is two people accepting all of their imperfections in each other and then deciding to be together and move forward with that recognition. That's a beautiful place to be and having these tools is is super important. So thank you so much for coming on for the third time and sharing all of this, Wendy. Before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners where they could find you online? And if there's anything we skipped over or maybe something you want to leave with our listeners and then we'll say goodbye. Ah, sure. Well, I think that one of the most important things we can do for ourselves is really be honest with what's happening within us, right? I've heard people say over the years, yeah, no, no, I don't, I don't do that. I don't, I don't look inside. I don't, uh, yeah, no, that's too scary or too uncomfortable. They just push everything away. But when we 
ultimately we kind of have to turn towards versus turning away because that gives us awareness of, oh, I'm really feeling really sad because I was bullied in school for a decade. And the way my partner is treating me right now, I feel like I'm being bullied. I feel it in my body and I feel it in my spirit. And I, I, I never wanted to think about that again, but here it is showing up. And I think ultimately we have to turn toward because our awareness gives us wisdom. And with our wisdom, we can make different choices. Um, and so I guess that's the one of the things I leave for you on the table. Um, where I am, uh, I'm a, I'm a New Jersey-based therapist. Uh, my practice is in Madison, New Jersey. And I work virtually and from my office, I'm back at my office now, um, part-time, you know, sort of a hybrid. Uh, my website is wendydumbroftherapy.com. It's Wendy with an I. And all my information is is there. Well, thank you so much, Wendy. We'll have those links in our show notes and on our website at idopodcast.com. Thanks for taking the time to come back on the show. Thank you, Chase. So appreciated. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.